tonight. We come into your presence. Lord, we come with an expectant heart, Lord, for what you want to do tonight. First and foremost, we come to give you praise. We come into your courts with thanksgiving and praise tonight. You deserve our praise. You deserve all the glory, all the honor, and all the power. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Thank you, Lord, for being with us in our midst. Thank you that your presence dwells in this place.
Nothing else will do And I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do
Jesus is like unto you, O God. This morning during early prayer, there was a verse that kept coming to mind. It is in the book of Exodus. It's chapter 11 and verse 15. And it says, Who is like unto you, O God, all glorious in holiness and fearful in praises and doing wonders? There's none like unto our God. I sense that that spirit just still lingering here tonight in the time of worship. The focus being on Him, that there's none like Him, none like Him, in all of the heavens and all of the earth, there is none like unto our God. Glorious in holiness. Fearful in praises. Doing wonders. Doing wonders. Father, we praise you tonight because there is no one like you. There's none that come close to who you are. And we enter into this place and it becomes a holy place because of your presence here tonight. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of God, have your way in this place tonight. Have your way in our lives tonight. Jesus. 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 There's no one like you. No one like you. Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. We give you glory give you honor and praise in your precious name Lord let your purposes be brought forth in this place today we pray in Jesus name Amen Amen
Is there anyone here tonight you have feel like the Lord's impressed something you want to share? Maybe from the Word or just anything that God just has impressed on your heart that you want to share with the folks here tonight? Anyone? During worship tonight, I heard the voice of the Lord say, is it not as I said it would be? Surely everything will come to pass. I knew there was a prophetic word out there. Anyone else? Hallelujah. Say it again. Say it again. Is it not as I said it would be? Surely it will come to pass. Amen. Amen. What an encouraging word. That's an awesome word. Thank you for sharing that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me, uh, just a side note real quick. Um, uh, this Sunday, we'll have a guest minister, Brother, um, oh, my mind's gone blank, Daryl Jackson, Jr. from uh, here in, uh, from Youngsville, will be ministering, and um, Naomi. No, Daryl Jackson. Yes. Yeah. I've been meaning to ask about your supervisor. What's her name? Huh? The tall one? She came to prayer in my mind in prayer this morning. She needs to be here Sunday. Just tell her. I just, I felt impressed. I wouldn't stop and say that, but I felt that this morning. She needs to be here Sunday. That's up to her, though, you know, but anyway. Um, I, I'm excited about it. I, I felt really impressed to invite him to come and, and minister Sunday, and so uh, I'm, I, I'm really th excited about him coming. Uh, the last weekend in October, I know it's a long ways off, right? Uh, last weekend in October, Friday night, Saturday night, and twice on Sunday, uh, Brother Jason Beard's going to be with us and uh, for our, our fall fire conference. <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to having that time. He's coming. He's, he's excited about it. We'll be fasting and praying before that time. But I'm just telling you now so you can look and go, oh, I didn't know. Now I'm telling you over two months in advance, the last weekend of October. And um, uh, so put it on your calendar. Start telling people about it. It's going to be a great time. Okay? Uh, 
Amen. Oh, well, we're finishing up this little four-part series that we we started uh, three weeks ago, obviously, and um, I'm going to be reading from First John chapter two, verse thirteen and fourteen. Then I'll, I'll quickly go through the other three parts of it. But he just says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. And then in verse 14, I have written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. So it, it sounds like a repeat, but you notice the tense. He says, I am writing and I have written. But he speak, he's speaking, he's using the words fathers. We're talking about the four levels of spiritual growth. And over the past three weeks, we've looked at the other three levels. And the first one, uh, in, in those verses of Scripture from uh, 1 John 2, verses 12 through 14, first time John says, I'm writing unto you ch uh, children. And the, word, the Greek word that's used there for children means babies like brand new babies. Uh, then he says, I'm writing unto you young men, which we looked at last week, and that is like a young adult male. It could be up to 35, 39 years of age in Jewish custom. And then he writes and he says, I'm writing unto you children. Again, he used the word children, but it's a different word, and it's a word that means like the toddler age. And so um, the, the first level the baby stage that is, is, is a level of dependence. They're totally dependent upon other people, okay? Uh, the second um, deal, uh, second children's level, is the level of conflict. Uh, remember, we use the idea of toddlers. And uh, they're, they're conflicted, uh, the conflict with themselves, conflict with God, conflict with others, con just, just all kinds of conflict. And we talk about how to get on past that. And so all of those messages are online. Then last week we talked about young men, and we said that the characteristic of that is strength. And um, it's, it is possible, it's possible to get stuck at every one of these levels. And it takes certain understanding to go past that and a desire to go past that. And so tonight we're talking about fathers, uh, it says, I'm writing unto you fathers, and the key word there is maturity, maturity, okay? So it's on this last stage of growth. So let's just look at a couple of the characteristics. And the first one is that they, they are mature, and, and that simply means that they've put away childish things, okay? They're not playing with toys anymore. They're not interested in children's activities, per se, First uh, Corinthians 13 and 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. So spiritually, it just simply means that they're not struggling with basic issues of Christianity. They're not struggling with, am I... Am I born again? Am I saved? Am I, does God love me? Uh, um, I, they're not struggling with prayer, understanding the mind of God, the will of God, all those things. They're not struggling with the basic issues of that. Uh, Peter in his epistles even wrote to the people and he says, I, I, I at times I'm, I have to stir, bring you into remembrance concerning basic things. 
he chastised the Corinthian church. He said, I would like to give you deeper uh, teaching, greater understanding, but I can't. He said, because you're still children and, and you can't even chew meat. He said, you're, you're still drinking milk. And so uh, this level is a level of maturity. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse uh, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from, from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Now, this is not saying leave those elementary teachings, but he's just saying let's not just stay there. Let's, let's move on, in other words, or build upon that. He says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. He goes on and says, instruction of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, the eternal judgment. He, he, so he's saying here, he said, let's move on from that. Let's, in other words, we've laid that foundation. That's good. Now let's build upon that. Um, I, I, I've told a story before, uh, but when my wife and I were first married and, and we were traveling on the road, uh, we settled one uh, summer in Kissimmee, Florida, and, and we ended up going to a church, and I could tell you exactly what was going to be preached every single Sunday. First Sunday of the month, he preached on salvation. Second Sunday of the month, he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Third Sunday of the month, he preached on the second coming. Fourth Sunday of the month, he preached on money. First Sunday of the month, he preached on salvation. Second Sunday, and if there was a fifth Sunday, they had a potluck. I'm serious. It was, it was like after a few weeks of that, my, I just told my wife, I said, I can't do this anymore. It's the same thing over and over and over. And I said, it's like maintaining a nursery. I said, you know, you're just, you're just taking care of them at the basic level. And they've got to be able to go on past that. So he says, I'm writing unto you fathers. He says, for you know God. It doesn't say that learning about God or trying to achieve knowledge of God. It says they know God. And, and I think that there are certain things we can draw from that. And here's the first one, and that they're more obsessed with God than self or gifts. If you remember, I talked about last week, I talked about at youth, they, they, that they have a tendency, if they're not careful, they can be prideful, they can be, you know, I'm strong, I'm this and this. Or they, they're beginning to uh, experience their ministry and they are really into like casting out demons and, and, and the gifts of the Spirit and stuff. There's nothing wrong with those things, but, they're, obs but they, they're obsessed with that. At this level, they're not obsessed with any of that. They're obsessed with God. They're obsessed in knowing God, having a relationship with God. That means that they're people of prayer, they're people of the Word, and they're worshipers of God. That, I know that may seem simplistic, but that's where their heart is. If you remember in the book of Acts, there came a time when the church was growing so much that the disciples um, gathered some of the leadership together of the, of the early church and said that the, the widows were not being taken care of 
We need to find some men that are full of the Spirit, full of faith, and, and give them that responsibility. He said, because our responsibility is prayer and the Word. And, and they recognized that if the church was going to grow, they had to grow. And that they had had a personal relationship with Jesus, and now this was a new endeavor. And that, that the other things, important as they were, their the most important thing was time for prayer, time in relationship with God, the Word of God, and what the Spirit of the Lord was saying. So he writes to him and he says, I'm writing unto you, uh, uh, fathers, because you know God. Let me show you a few uh, observations about, about, about this. And that is that they may not seem directly related, but they're implied by the term father, okay? And the first thing is that they are family or body conscious. Uh, and, and, and again, we're talking about spiritual fathers. They're, they're, they're conscious of the body around them, the body of Christ, the people within the body, the family of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're conscious of that. And um, they are also the spiritual backbone of the body of Christ. Remember uh, the first week I talked about the church that my wife and I started years ago and that everybody in the church were brand new babies in the Lord. And that the first year, year and a half or so, it's like they, they worshiped the ground we walked on, basically, if I could put it that way. I mean, we could do no wrong in their eyes. But then they turned two and three years old. And have you ever had a two, three, four-year-old in your house? Yeah. And, and they all of a sudden have their own mind, their own will, their own, right? And, and they're like, no, they know better than you. And that's what happened to us. Uh, and it was, a di it was a difficult situation. It really was. Um, and and uh, because we didn't have any maturity within the church, there weren't people of different spiritual levels and ages. Um, uh, remember I said just because you've been saved 20 years doesn't mean you're 20 years mature in the Lord because you could, you could have just 21-year ex experiences with God, you know. Um, but these that he's writing to are like the spiritual backbone of the body of Christ. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 10, 11, he says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you, who believe, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Okay? 1 Corinthians 4, 14 and 15. He says, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And then in Hebrews 12 and 7, it says this, Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined uh, by his father? And so there's some things that we can draw from that. These, those who reach this level of maturity in Christ, um, they are there to set the example for younger believers. They recognize that. 
um, that, that living in a Christ-like manner is their calling because people are watching them. And, you know, I, I, I remember being the oldest of seven kids, always being reminded by my parents that, that I couldn't act the way I was acting because I was setting the example for my younger brothers and sisters. And I remember many a time telling them, I didn't ask for that job. It didn't matter. They said, that's the way it is, you know. And, uh, but these who are spiritually mature, they recognize that their words, their actions, their attitudes have consequences. Because it can become a stumbling block to a younger believer. In fact, Paul in, in Corinthians writes and says, though all things are legal for me, uh, to, to, he said there's an, an, I, not all things are beneficial. He said because if what I do causes a younger believer to stumble, then he said I become the stumbling block and I become held accountable to God. In fact, the scripture says that uh, if someone desires to teach, that's an admirable thing, and that they should receive a double reward. But then God goes on to say in the word, but those who teach will be judged twice as hardly, hard, because what they teach could bring about error or lead someone into a wrong direction, or, or, or the fact that they... That person looks at them, hears what they're saying, but then looks at their life and, and draws a different conclusion from it. So they're to set the example. The second thing is that they are the ones to restore the weak. Uh, the Bible talks about in Galatians. He said, if you see anyone among you who has fallen into sin, ye who are spiritual... He talks about that, that you, you who are a spiritual, and he's talking about mature spiritual-wise. He said, you go and restore that brother or sister who's fallen into sin. And the word restore there is the same picture of a doctor who's setting a bone. You know, there's, there's two ways to set a bone. You can do it gently and correctly, or you can just, you know, and just like, you don't care about the feelings of that person or how, or how it's done or whatever. Um, the, those who are spiritually mature, one of their responsibilities is to help restore the weak, encouraging them. Um, and which brings me to the next point. They encourage those who are about to fall out of the way and they do it without bruising them. Hear, hear me what I'm saying there. They do it in such a way as... In, in a manner of love, to, because the idea is to restore them. They don't go up into their face and say, look, I can see that you're in sin, you're falling away, and if you don't get your act together, that's not, what, that's not maturity, that's immaturity. And so he said they, they encourage those who are about to fall away, and they do it without bruising them. And, and as the scriptures we read, these are the ones who are often called on to discipline those who get out of step with Christ or out of step with truth because they're highly respected within the body of Christ. Okay, they're, they're the ones that, they, that are usually called in for something like that. Um, the problem happens uh, if, if people within a local body, let's say, 
um, are not interested in growing in God, not interested in going on and maturing in Christ, then when there's a crisis or there's a problem, you have immature trying to handle immature problems. And I've seen that before. I've seen it happen before. And I'm sure some of you have too. Another characteristic of these who are mature is that they're fruitful. Their fruitfulness involves good works. It involves discipleship. It involves evangelism. It involves praise. It involves worship. It just, just their life itself brings about fruit that is good for the kingdom of God. Another characteristic and I think this is one that keeps people from wanting to, to grow to this level, is that they know something about the fellowship of his suffering. That's what the scripture talks about. Before you can know the power of his resurrection, you have to know something about the fellowship of his sufferings. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times people in the church, we want the power of his resurrection, but we don't want to know anything about suffering. <laughs> we don't want anything. We don't want that part of it at all. We just want to skip right over, you know. We want to go from where Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and they're all laying down palm branches and everybody's cheering to resurrection morning, right? But you can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. And if there's a crucifixion, there's going to be a burial and there's going to be an un a time of un, uh, uh, unknowing, uh, uh, unassurance, all, all of those things. Um, uh, they may, the, the, the people who get to this place, they may even bear in their body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've experienced two, two things that I, I, I think that are so important. One is they've experienced the cross. And the cross stands for death. We might think it stands for life, but the empty tomb stands for life. The cross is, is the equivalent of death. Matthew 16, 24 says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It means dying to self and, and, and picking up the cross of Christ. And so... The, those who have reached this level, they, they know something about the fellowship of suffering because they understand something about dying to self, and that's the cross. And then the second thing is they understand testing. And so you have the cross and you have cru the crucible. Um, the testing, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its worth so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Look at that. We, go back and look at that again. He says, consider it all joy, all kinds of trials, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What does that mean? That means test after test, trial after trial, difficulty after difficulty. You learn to stand. You learn to stand on, in faith. 
and you learn to persevere. That means you don't throw in the towel, you don't quit, you just persevere, you press on, you grind it out, if I can put it that way. Because then he goes on, he says, perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete and not lacking anything. I don't like it, but that's what it says. And so he says, this is what brings you to a level of maturity, is sticking it out, not bailing at the, the first sign of trouble. The, when, the, when the fire starts getting hot or the situation is difficult, um, uh, it's just too easy in our culture today to just say, I'm out, I'm going somewhere else, boom, and go down the road. And instead of pressing in and pushing through and seeing it through. In Luke 12, 50, it says, but Jesus said, but I have, to, I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is completed. In fact, Jesus asked the disciples at the time, he says, they want to know who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, uh, uh, can you be, or can you, undergo the baptism that I will undergo. And they say, oh, yes. <laughs> and then Jesus says, oh, yeah? Well, we'll see about that. That's really kind of what he's really saying there because he's saying, I have a baptism to undergo, and I am distressed about that baptism until it's completed. You don't have a clue what I'm talking about yet. They didn't. <clears throat> In Mark chapter 10, verse 38, it says, You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So he, he puts that to him in two different places there. That he's talking about that there's going to be the testing and the, the, the dying to self so they know something about the fellowship of sufferings. And if that's the case, then they also know something about the resurrected life, right? I mean, if they know something about the sufferings, then they're going to, and they persevere, then they're going to know something about the resurrected life. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. They, they've experienced death of self and the manifestation of Christ's life through them. They've risen to that level. It's not like a promotion or something. They've, they've persevered and they've grown. They've matured to it. Um, what they do, they do by his enabling of his, of his spirit. They don't look at, well, that's not fair. This person was treated this way, or this person was this, or this person has this, or that's immaturity. Instead, they just persevere, and they know that God is working his work in and through their life. Another characteristic of those who reach this level of spiritual maturity is that they're very protective. They're very protective. And what I mean by that is that they can spot a, a spiritual wolf a mile off. And, uh, and so for this reason, um, they can oftentimes be misjudged 
as being judgmental or critical of their ability to discern hypocrisy. If, if they can see a wolf, they're protective of God's flock. And, and you don't chase a wolf off by going, go away now, go away, go away. No, you pull out a rifle. <laughs> I mean, you either shout or, you know, and while you're doing that, you're getting loaded and ready to deal with that wolf. Um, and so, and I've seen this before, and I've had this happen before. Personally, I've had this happen where I watched in a morning service half my church walk out because a man stood up and accused me at the altar call of a service and 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 I can't go into the whole story to tell you this but he had a lot of extended family in that church and he he said and he accused me uh, of the, that I was the one that needed to answer my own altar call and when I called him out he he got verbally abusive and 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 then walked out and there goes half the church with him and I didn't know what was going to come from it and people didn't understand again this was the church where it was all babies you know so they're only a few years old in the Lord now and um, they didn't understand the harshness that I took um, when he I tried to be gentle about it, but when he got verbally abusive, I had to come against him and stop him. And and the the young the younger believers in the Lord, they didn't understand why it would be that way. And I had to explain to them, you know, what the Bible says. And um, it says, "Mark those who cause division among you." Um, and and there was a number of things there, and. Even though we, I went to him with a couple of people to try and restore the relationship, he wasn't interested. In the, and what the point basically came out was that he was going around telling everybody that God had chosen him to start that church in that area, not me. And that he was to be the apostle of that town. That didn't come out for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks afterwards. But that was the whole point behind everything. And um, I had people come to me and say, you are wrong, you are harsh. And I said, what I did was to protect the flock. And, and I'm, I'm just being very transparent with you, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back because I was a young pastor. But I knew what could not, this, this, was, this was not acceptable. And I had some who were so close to us that were hurt by our actions or felt like we did wrong, that they said, we just can't forgive you for that. And, and yet we still had to love them and keep ministering to them. But it was some years later with one man 10 years later who came to me when I saw him and I didn't know how he was going to react. And he comes running up to me, 
and he was never one to show emotion unless he was angry. <laughs> and um, uh, he hugged me, and he said, I need your forgiveness. I said, for what? He said, because 10 years ago, I accused you of a wrong motive, and I realize now you are trying to protect God's flock. And I said, well, thank you, but I forgave you 10 years ago. Otherwise, I couldn't, have, I couldn't have lived that long. I mean, I couldn't have gone on. I had to learn to forgive, even though they didn't understand. So, uh, I, and, and I don't know if that helps you to understand that. And, and I'm not saying I've arrived to this level or anything like that. I'm just saying that, that they are very protective of God's flock. And, and uh, they can be, it's easy to be misjudged. Or be or, or as being judgmental or critical, because they're discerning hypocrisy. They're discerning something isn't right. And um, uh, but anyway, the next the next characteristic is that that though they're gifted, they give place to others. Whereas in the when we talked about the young men last week. They're, they're coming into their own in their ministry. They're coming into their own in their gifts. They're coming into their own, and, and that they like that. When they reach this level, even though they may be very gifted, they are uh, very conscious of yielding to others that they might grow, and they might mature, and they might develop. They're more interested in the development of others than they are in the demonstration of their own gifts. Okay? Another characteristic is that these people are very stable spiritually. They're committed to the growth of the body of Christ. They're willing to lay down their life for its problems. Okay? So, um, and... and and I've known several people over the years who were just wonderful people who just, man, they just, it was, their lives were about other people. Their life wasn't about them. And uh, uh, what, what a blessing I've had personally in my own life to have been around people like that. So you think, oh, they've arrived. They've gotten to the fourth level of spirituality, so they don't have any problems. That's not true. Because there is always potential. So let me, let me highlight a few of those, and we'll be done in just a few more minutes, honestly. Um, the first area of potential problems is their influence. Because so many people look up to them, if they fall, it devastates so many. And I've said it before hundreds of times. I say it, don't put someone on a pedestal. Because then they'll either get knocked down by somebody else or God will take them down because once they get up on that pedestal they think that's where they're supposed to be and Jesus said if you want to be great in the kingdom learn to serve you can't serve from a pedestal 
you've got to come down off that thing. So their influence, though it's positive, it can be an issue. A second area um, is abuse of authority. And we've seen a lot of this over the last 25, 30 years, I think, in the Western church, um, that because of their level of attainment spiritually, they may experience, may experience the temptation or tendency to abuse their authority. And we've seen multiple lawsuits and things over the last numbers of years, even, even the last few years, of individuals who uh, have fallen, they've been exposed, and only after they fall, the people who have been abused by them come forward and tell their story, and um, which is unfortunate because then they're hurt, they're damaged, and um, uh, in fact, I remember seeing a year and a year and a half or so ago on YouTube a blow up in a church where a woman stood up in the church in the middle of a service and accused the pastor of abusing her sexually. And the whole church, I mean, turned into a free-for-all. Free you can imagine. I mean, her husband jumped up and charged the platform, and here come the elders, and it turned, and, and, and it's all being streamed on YouTube. And uh, you would think somebody would have had the bright idea to at least unplug the camera or something, right? And, um, but uh, my wife and I know of one individual years ago and his seminar revolutionized our life. The principles we learned from it revolutionized our life. <clears throat> Only to, in his later years to fall so badly that it destroyed the ministry and destroyed the tens of thousands of people who had been taught by him. And... Uh, so their influence, the, ability to, the potential abuse of authority. <clears throat> the third one is they must guard against an unteachable attitude. It's just really easy when you get to that place to think that you can't be taught anything. Or that you've arrived. Which brings me to the next one. And that is that they have to guard against pride. They have to guard against pride. I remember years ago, I won't say who it was, but I remember hearing a certain um, televangelist say, our ministry is the only ministry that is reaching the four corners of the world. And he said, your, your money should be coming to us. We're the only ministry reaching the four corners of the world. And I remember when I heard it, I stopped dead in my tracks and I looked at the TV screen and I said, you will fall. The arrogance of thinking that you're the only ministry reaching the whole world. I'm thinking, what about the little corners of the world you don't know anything about that God has raised up a grandma or grandpa, somebody somewhere in a little village or whatever and they're ministering 
how arrogant to think that you're the only one reaching the whole world. And it was less than two years later when his ministry fell. And the tendency for pride. In Second Chronicles 26.16, I referred to this the other day, um, <clears throat> King Uzziah says, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall, and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. He, he knew that that was not his boundaries. He was a king. There was king, prophet, and priest. And each of those three areas had specific um, uh, duties to do. And they did not cross over. But he crossed over and entered into the temple to burn incense before the Lord on the altar of incense. And he paid a great price for that. And this, I'll close with this. This is the enemy's strategy with people at any, really at any level, but especially for those who are at this level. Um, it's the idea of attacking the shepherd versus attacking individual sheep. Now, does he attack individual sheep in the body of Christ? Yes, he does, obviously, right? I mean, how many of you have had the enemy attack you before? The kingdom of darkness come against you. But when someone reaches this level, even at, even somewhat, even at the third level, uh, if they've become, they're becoming known, their ministry's becoming known, whatever, the enemy will, will change his direction on certain things, and he will go after the shepherd versus going after individual sheep. Because if he can get the shepherd to fall, the Bible says that the sheep will scatter. And um, when I was a young minister and I was being credentialed for, um, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was my licensing at that time. Um, the Assemblies of God has three levels for credentialing. And, it was, and I sat before a panel of like nine people. They do it a whole lot different today. Back then it was very intimidating. And... Um, uh, but I, and I won't mention the minister's name because he fell. Um, and this was a case of him giving great uh, wisdom and guidance, but not following it himself. And he, he looked at me, he said, boy, that's what he said, sitting right across from me at the table. One of the eight, two eight-foot tables with all these dignitary people, you know, higher up, spiritual. And he looked at me, he said, boy. He said, I'm only going to tell you this one time. That's the way he came across. I was like, okay, I'm listening. And he said, um, he said, watch out for the three G's. The devil will get you at the three G's. And I'm like, the three G's? I mean, what in the world? I didn't know what to say. I just sat there with a dumb look on my face. He said, nobody's ever told you that? I said, no, sir. I'm thinking, I've never read that in my Bible. I don't know where that's at in my Bible. But I'm listening. And, and this is what he said. He said, the three G's. He said, this is how the devil will work. He said, watch out for the, the gold, the girls, and the glory. 
That's what he said. He said, the enemy will try and get you distracted with money. He said, but if that won't work, he'll use a woman to try and distract you and cause you to fall. He said, but if the money doesn't work, the gold doesn't work, and the girls won't work, he said, watch out for the glory. He said, because it's then that the ministry becomes exciting and the gifts are prevalent. And if you're not careful, you'll take the glory that belongs to God and God will bring you down. I've never forgot that. It's kind of hard to forget something like that when somebody tells you the three G's will destroy you, young minister. And I said, makes sense. And, and I can't tell you how many times I've passed that on to other people that I've interviewed or that I've been a part of the interview process when they're going for credentialing. Because the enemy has a, has a track record that he uses, and he's very successful at it. For those who reach level four and they mistakenly think that they have arrived and are the greatest, is the, if they think that they have arrived, that is the greatest evidence that they have not. Because there's always more. There's always more. So anyway. Any comments or questions or thoughts about any of that? Was that clear? Good. Do what? I hope you understood my intention for teaching this because I want you to be able to recognize each of these levels. And it's not unheard of that you can see part of you here and part of you over here because you're moving into you know, another realm another level of growth in, in your spiritual walk. So, um, anyway, let's take a few minutes to pray. And um, I'd like us to start by uh, praying for our spiritual leaders and, and, and go to spiritual leaders, just um, not just in this house, but spiritual leaders in the body of Christ. Because it's not just pastors, it's not just evangelists, it's not just people who have their big name on a ministry thing or whatever. It's those who uh, lead house groups, who are ministering to small groups or uh, cell groups. Or um, I even think about those uh, in the prisons that are leading men and women and uh, spirit in their spiritual walk behind prison bars and whatever leadership within the body of Christ. Um, I don't know where we I would be today if it hadn't been for a Church of God lady who who saw something in my mother and began to come three times a week and disciple my mom. I don't know where I'd be 
It was that same woman when she was leaving one day, and I wasn't saved. And, and, but it began my spiritual walk. And because uh, I saw what was happening to my mom, and she'd been delivered from alcohol, and I didn't like it. You'd think, you'd think you'd like that, but no, now I couldn't get away with anything because she, she wasn't drunk. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I didn't like this lady coming around. You know, and I'll never forget, I was sitting at the kitchen counter in, in our house, and my, this lady's leaving. Her name was Mrs. Nichols. That's all I remember about her. And uh, she had a Bible as big as my, the one on our coffee table. And, but it was, every page was marked up, and she knew it, by head, frontward, backwards, everything. And she's walking out the door, and she turns around to me, and she goes, You know, Jesus can heal you of your back situation. And she just walked out the door. And I remember I choked on that tuna fish sandwich I was chewing and spit it out and ran in the other room to my mom. And I said, what did she mean? Jesus can heal me. And if you don't know my testimony, I was injured in a football game. They found a birth defect in my spine. And my spine was sitting like this. And they told me that I had to stop everything that I was doing because if it, 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 there was the, I was facing potential paralysis. And, um, and that made me mad at God because the chaplain told me it was God's cross for me to bear. What 15-year-old what kid wants to hear that? Yeah. And, and then I remember looking at him going, then, then I don't want nothing to do with you and your God. And that started this circle. And, and so I was near the end of that circle, didn't know it. And that's when that lady turned around to me and said, Jesus can heal you of your back issue. And she just walked out the door. And I remember I, I spit out that sandwich and I ran into my mama and I said, what did she mean? Jesus can heal me. She said, that's what it says in this book. I said, where does it say that? She said, take it and find it. So I remember I took that big coffee table book that we, were never, we never read it, you know, just sat there. And I took it into my bedroom. I kicked my two brothers out. And I put that book down on my bed, on, in the bed. And I said, God, if you're real, talk to me and I flip open the book and the first verse of scripture I ever read is Hebrews Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever I closed that book that just scared me I mean I had look I got chill bumps still every time I think about that and I said and I remember running in the other room with the book going mama I'd had enough catechism in me to know what Jesus did when he was walking the earth. And I'm like, Mama, this is the same as he was back then. And she goes, that's right. And that started me on my, my spiritual journey. That lady did. So if I was to look at anyone had an impact on my life, it would probably start with her. Because she went to, and then she discipled my mom. My mom began me, and then my siblings, and then it's like that drop a rock in the lake kind of ripple effect. So spiritual leaders don't necessarily mean the pastor, evangelist, the prophet, or anybody else. It's people who are having impact upon other people's 
spiritual walk, a positive impact. So let's just take a minute, to, a few minutes tonight and just pray for them. I don't feel like we should go anywhere else, just right on that, that area right there. Because when the enemy begins to fight, he's going after leaders. And knowing that every month, 1,800 pastors in the United States leave the ministry. 1,800 every month leave the ministry. Father, we just come to you tonight. We're so grateful that you called us, you sought us, you put your spirit within us, you've given us your word. And God, you are overseeing our growth. Your word says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So we thank you, Father. It's not you who's lacking. You're looking for those who desire to grow in you. And we're so thankful, Father, for the spiritual leaders in our own lives. If we went around this room, every single person in here could name probably two or three or four people, key people, who had great spiritual impact on their life. And they've grown. But Father, the church is at a place where it is in need of mature spiritual leaders. From every walk of life, you have them, Lord. God, let them step to the forefront. Let them step to the forefront and not be fearful of what man may say. Let them not be fearful of what the government may say. But God, let them walk in fear before you, reverence before you, knowing who you are. God, the word says that I write to you, fathers, I have written to you, fathers, because you know God. God, we need leaders who know you. They're, they're solid. They're secure in the word. Not flaky. Not wishy-washy. But they're solid in the word, Lord. Father, we just pray that you would raise them up in this hour. We pray for those who are already serving, that God, they would not become discouraged. They would not become disheartened. They would not become weary in well-doing. Let them continue on. Strengthen them. Uphold them, Lord. Stir a fresh fire within their hearts that, God, they would realize that the time has not yet come to step aside, but the time has come for them to step forward. Step out of the shadows, Lord God, that, God, that you might use them in a powerful, powerful way in these last days. Father, we pray for the leaders. We pray a hedge of protection round about them. We pray for wisdom, Lord, that they would see, with discernment they would see, with clarity. God, in the natural, when we get a little bit older, our eyes tend to uh, fade a little bit. But God, I pray that in the spirit realm, that their eyes would not fade, but their eyes would become clear and sharper than ever before.
Give them wisdom and discernment, Lord, to see those who come in amongst them for the Lord. For your word tells us that in the last days there will be those that, that are wolves in sheep's clothing that would come in and move among the flock to try and destroy it, to, to break it apart, Lord. Father, give us wisdom to see that and discernment and, and the boldness to address it in such a way that, God, there could be repentance and restoration but Father, I just pray, uh, I pray in the area of discernment, Lord, just in each one of our lives that you would quicken that even more so, Lord God, that you would fine tune it even more. We may sometimes go, there's something there, I'm not sure what it is, doesn't set right. God, give us insight, give us clarity that, that God, we not walk around with question, that, but that we know from what you show us. And then God that we address it in a biblical way. A spiritual way. To bring about healing and restoration. Father I thank you for the leaders. That have been in my life. Many of them have already passed over. And are in your presence. I thank you for them Lord God. And I pray that in this hour and day, Lord, that God, each one of us would become the leaders, spiritual elders that the body is in need of in this day and in this hour, Lord. I thank you for the younger generation that you're raising up. And I pray that, Lord God, they would move to that level of being young men strong and strong in exploits, Lord God. But God, that they would have such a desire and a hunger to move even beyond that and grow in you. Grow in you, Lord. With wisdom and understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we pray for the weekend. Micaiah's call. We thank you, Father, for the work that you're going to do. We're praying already and believing, expecting, Lord God, uh, just tremendous testimonies of lives that are going to be impacted for the cause of Jesus Christ and his church. Don't let it be a one-off event. Let it be a life-changing event for those who are a part of it. For the glory of your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Is there anybody here that you need prayer tonight? Anyone? No? We all good? Then hug somebody's neck and God bless you.